Did I? That's okay. Did I do the recap last time? I can't remember if I did. Recap of what we've gone over. Uh, no, I did not. Okay. So, um, it's probably going to be out of order because when I first did this, it was in a different order. But um, actually, we'll just start with Samson because that's where we started. Um, did anybody remember what we learned in Samson? About, he wasn't very nice. He wasn't very nice. When, you, when I say lack of discernment, what comes to mind with Samson? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he was mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. his attitude, and he um, liked women too much. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I kind of think that's where Satan was able to attack to attack him mm-hmm. was in that appealing to his um, base. <laughs> yeah, that's where, and so he kind of thought the rules didn't apply to him. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he didn't fool himself maybe a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah, and didn't we read that he? It's not like he was a big. Yeah, he was um, probably a little weakling guy, and kind of had a little man syndrome. Yeah, maybe he had a little man syndrome, and yeah, yeah, he liked the attention he got when he Some did grandiose things. Maybe I don't know. But yeah, but mm-hmm. God still used him. God still used and him. Was, considered was, a man of faith. It's like for twenty years he was a, a judge over Israel, mm-hmm. and in the end. Mm-hmm used him. Mm-hmm. So uh, even when I'm walking mm-hmm. around full of myself, you know, and I'm not doing the right thing, God can use that. Amen, because he really was a picture of somebody that was very self-centered, self-gratifying, um, someone that, like each of us, if we believe that, we are born for a purpose, that I mean, it really literally stated he was born for a purpose, mm-hmm. and um he was a miracle baby, and he still didn't matter how his parents raised him. They tried to do the right thing. He still went his own way, and uh, in the end, kind of got it together. We kind of hope for that for our kids, even if they're going to blow it, that in the end, maybe just, just slide into home plate and come to Jesus, whatever it takes. You know, I just want to see you in heaven one day, um, that, you know, up to that last minute. And we only know that, not because of the life that he led, but because in Hebrews it tells us that he is in that hall of faith, mm-hmm. not not because he was a he came in and did like great things for God and you know whatnot, um, no great show of whatever. So the next uh, one, let me think, what would have been Isaac? I guess with us together, um, what do you remember about Isaac? And what would you say was his lack of discernment? Yeah, well, I, I don't know. I just wrote Isaac for some reason. I wrote this a long time ago. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think when I was doing the Isaac, I was okay. I started with Isaac, and Isaac I meant the yeah. <laughs> but promise was made. Yeah. And they felt like God couldn't do it without their intervention. Yeah. And I, I know the reason why I wrote Isaac is I just wrote Isaac first is because we really did look at. The entire family, didn't we? Yeah. Isaac and we looked. Yeah, Rebecca. We looked at Jacob and Esau. Isaac, he really relied on his senses. We talked about that. You know, he was basically going by his emotions. 
when he was when Esau or when Jacob was coming to deceive him. He was, you know, his gut kind of told him it wasn't Jacob or it wasn't Esau. I'm gonna get that straight. Um, his his gut kind of told him it wasn't Esau, and he kept questioning it. But yet he would go, well, let me let me touch you. Let me see if you're hairy like him, or let me let me smell you and see if you smell like my hunter son, you know, um, he relied on all of these things instead of relying on God. What else, what else did Isaac do? Well, he was like the trickster. As, as you said, living by his feelings, what you kind of said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, is Isaac the other brother? Isaac well, is the Jacob, dad. The dad. Jacob. Mm-hmm. Jacob was living by yeah. So he, well, he started that whole thing in motion because my time is almost done and then lives for yeah. like another yeah. 50 years. It was, it was about 40. 40. Yeah, 40 some years. Yeah, he lived past that. So <coughs> well, we, why would he set that in motion? Right? Um, because just kind of recapping that story, if you weren't here, um, Rebecca was given this revelation from God that the younger son would rule over the older son. And so that, that prophecy had already been given by God himself to, to her. And um, so when Isaac went to go bless the older son over the younger, um, he knew he was taking it into his own hands. Mm-hmm. He was going to fix things in his own way. Well, then mom, she decides to get involved in the tricking um, to get Jacob. Now we went kind of back and forth of, well, is mom still trying to step in for God to make God's prophecy come true rather than let God handle it in whatever divine way he would rather? Maybe she thought, well, Isaac's getting away with it and God can't see it. I don't know. Um, but she was definitely involved in some trickery, right? Uh, obviously, Jacob went along with mom and Esau was going along with dad and they were playing favorites there. So we see a whole lot of lack of discernment in all four of them no one seeking god in that mm-hmm. just you know what to sell your birthright because you're hungry yeah you know he wasn't that hungry he wasn't that hungry right but you know but he would die he, he said he was gonna die yeah you know that whole just um satan knowing what way to go in at him? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But Satan's so good at that, isn't he? Like telling us that we need to, we could, we need to step in. We need to help God, mm-hmm. right? We see so many stories of that in Scripture where people step in. This is a whole lineage of that in this family alone, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we talked next about um, Rehoboam and Jeroboam, the bones. The the bones, and uh, what would you remember from them? Well, Rehoboam, really no discernment. Um, you know, when he listened to the elders, heard what they had to say, and then moved on to his childhood friends. Mm-hmm. But it kind of starts back with Solomon, where he didn't um, really train his child to take over the throne and be that man of God. And Solomon let all of those foreign women in with their foreign gods. And so what was he exposed to his whole life? Right. You know, a man that had too many women and too many false gods. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and so he did what he knew. 
And, and you know, so uh, just to reiterate there what Susie just said, Solomon was Rehoboam's dad. And so, and Solomon, in all of scripture, you know, he'd written thousands of proverbs and songs and all this stuff. And many of them say to my son for his spiritual instruction and so forth. Um, with all of the wisdom that he had written down, you know, don't be enticed by sinners, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Solomon didn't do well, did he? He was definitely a, a man that do all the, I say, not as I do. do as I say, not as I do. And God, he had asked, um, God said, what do you want? And he said, I want wisdom. So God gave him the wisdom. And even though we may have all the wisdom or all the knowledge of scripture, we can still choose to follow our uh, very deceitful hearts, as Scripture tells us, right? Yeah. And um, so, and it says in Scripture that, you know, Solomon loved women. He didn't say Solomon loved God. Solomon loved women. And Rehoboam, it tells us in Scripture, you know, he started out, he was going to do good, but he didn't get very far before he was rejecting his first, you know, his first decision to be made with the kingdom, he rejected the sound advice of those men around him that had that wisdom. And he went after his childhood buddies and said, tickle my ears and tell me what I want to hear, you know. And um, so thinking about that lack of discernment, we know we need to, we need to have people around us um, that we are getting counsel from that know the word of God and that are going to point us towards God and in the right direction instead of people that we can align, get to align with us and take our side in things, right? And um, There was kind of a lot of lack of discretion there because when discernment, I mean, because when you get back over to the man of God, mm-hmm. you know, then when we, we talked about the man of God, um, and what I wrote down next to it is check the words yourself. Um, not just follow what other Christians tell you is right. Mm-hmm. But if you don't know the word yourself, then you can really be led down a wrong yeah. path. Yeah, there was a man of God, a, a prophet, that came to talk to Jeroboam, the other guy. And uh, not not to go too long into that, but he was told by God to go give the message and don't turn off in any other direction. Go this way home. Gave him the map. Said, I want you to go here, do this, and then I want you to go this way, go around that, go back, and don't have anything to do with any of what was going on there. And um, sure enough, the king tried to entice him or buy him off or get him into court or whatever, and he said, you can give me half your possessions. I want nothing. God has given me a plan. Left there, goes, he's on the road. Someone, another prophet comes up and says, you know what, why don't you come over and eat at my house? Nope, nope, God's told me no. And then the other prophet lied to him. And he said, "Um, you know, God told me that you were supposed to come with me. So instead of him checking in with God on that, and why would God send someone else to give a different message contrary to his, he went with him. He wound up dying. Um... And that's a whole story. But the thing is, is that when someone comes along, like Susie said last week, if someone comes and tells me God has a message for you, and it's contrary to what has been told to Susie, and God hasn't said it to Susie, she's like, I'm not going to listen to you, right? 
Why would God tell you something about me, but he wouldn't tell me? Especially if you know it to be contrary, right? So we have to be careful that when we are hearing things, that we are aligning it with scripture, right? Right. And sometimes those people that will say those things to you can be a confirmation of what God's already told you. Oh, absolutely. I believe that it's confirmation. I believe that God um, uses people to um, maybe say they're praying for you and, you know, kind of feeling this. How do you feel about that? You know, have you been hearing that? Um, But I've also had people um, try to come and say to do something like, you know, it's not even right. You know what I'm saying? Not even close to what where you're at or what God's called you to do. Um, so I think that we have to, and you know what, I might trust, you know, that Sharon would come and tell me, I really think God wants us for you. And that's great. You know, I'd say, I'll, I'll, I'll pray about that, you know, but I'm not going to say that's God speaking to me unless God's confirmed it with me. Well, and I find myself super hesitant to ever say the Lord said, Mm, because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Goodness, mm-hmm. I don't want to be the one that said that. And I need to be wrong. Yeah. Sometimes I've right. said to people, yeah. you know, I I really have been feeling like this, and I really think you should seek God out on it. Right. You know, I, maybe this is something that means something to you in your life, but yeah. I don't like to say. Right. God says. I have to say that in my uh, 20s and 30s, I liked to tell people, what God wanted them to do. <laughs> Thankfully, it worked out. <laughs> but it'd be like we're doing a, a play at the church, and I'll be like, God told me that you're supposed to be such and such. He did? <laughs> oh, yeah. And they would do, and they'd do great. But yeah. But yes, I am way more cautious about saying what God. And I always find that yeah. Gilbert is my best lease. I throw it out there, you know, and I say, Lord, if this is really you, then Gilbert's going to feel it, too, in his heart. He's mm. going to hear this from you, too. Yeah. You know, because I know that you would want Gilbert to be good with this. So right. let me throw him out there to you, Lord. I think yeah. that's amazing. I would tell you, he does. Yeah. comes back and yeah. says to me, no, I was thinking. That's amazing. See, and, and having that kind of trust to have the peace to be able to pray for your spouse that he would get the same... You know, it almost always, I would say, I would say 100% of the time it happens with money. Yeah. If I say, well, Lord, this is kind of what I'm thinking you're saying, but if it's true, mm-hmm. if this is what you're saying, then Gilbert's going to tell mm-hmm. me, hey, I think we should. Yeah. 100% it'll happen. When, um, before, was it Bella? Hmm. Angie, tell everybody your story if you're listening to this later. Um, I, I can't remember which which kid it was, if it was Jimmy, Bella, what, what the story was. Um, but Angie, ta- obviously, I was with her through that time, but she talks about writing in her journal, and um, she felt the desire to adopt, but she was like, I need you to convict Mike. And it was Mike that came along and said, hey, I think we should adopt. So um, that's a... God can do that if we can trust him in that. So, but if he's telling you this is like you've gotten this and stuff, mm-hmm. and somebody else, you know, someone like Susie, <coughs> this is 
this is what I think that he's saying, you know, what, what, and giving me the idea of what I always go back and yeah. pray on your own. And yeah, <coughs> I agree. I'm getting, I feel like I'm getting confirmation, but is this really what I should be doing? Yeah. yeah, you're still checking back in with God. You're not looking for the world to give you the confirmation. But, but certainly, um, certainly sometimes we're, we're, we're out there. Lord, show me a sign. <laughs> you know? And I, and you know, sometimes we've prayed. Would you show me some confirmation, you know, and, and have a friend come up and say, or a spouse say, you know, and, and then you know it in your heart and you have peace in your heart that that was God confirming that. I think that's the biggest thing is that. Do we need um, to listen for it too? Yeah. There, there was a Caleb, like, commercial that had to do with that and. This guy was praying for, I don't remember what it was, but, you know, God, please just give me a sign. And you hear elephants in the background. And he, he's like, I still haven't heard you. And you hear these, uh, something else going on. And, and he goes through a whole bunch of them, but he thinks that God's not answering him, but God did. It just, he wasn't like, catching it. It's the whole boat story, right? Story. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay. So Jephthah. Is who we're talking? Anybody ever heard of Jephthah before? Yeah, this is a sad story. Yeah, it's a sad story. It is, and it, there's some cool stuff in it too. But um, Jephthah, this is Judges chapter eleven, verse one. Um, Jephthah the Gileadite, Gileadite, I can talk today, was a mighty warrior. His father was Gilead. His mother was a prostitute. We'll just stop right there. Um, We already know one thing about him. Two things about him. What are these two things that we already know about him? He's a a mighty warrior and... And what? His mother was a prostitute, which makes him what? Do you want me to say the word on tape? We could say the other more nice, kinder word. Oh, okay. Illegitimate. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know the nice word. <laughs> <laughs> you only know the bad words. <laughs> what? You were going to say the bad word? That's all right. So well, he's a, and, and Gilead wasn't <coughs> the one that um, the Lord, he was kind of like, I always think I'm like Gilead, throwing my fleeces out. Mm. Wasn't he the one? So his father was someone who, and didn't God show him like the angel armies mm. that greater are those out there? You know, that wasn't that his story, Gilead's story? Good question. I don't remember at the moment. Because I like Gilead. Yeah, I do. He was a cautious person. <laughs> yeah, well, except for that part of Gilead. Except there was that one <laughs> time. Gilead, so. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like prostitutes were way more acceptable um, business back then. Oh, Not to God, but but to people. To people. It's yeah. More legitimate. So how did he end up raising his son? Well, maybe the father should stay with this. I mean, you would think like it would be okay. Planted my seed. Doesn't even know about it. And then she's a single mom time. So you know. No, keep going. I'm just kind of yeah, yeah. going down. Um. It it, it kind of you know what any time that we're hearing about it's it's if the wives and the prostitutes are all in the same 
area every time we're here you know Hagar and Sarah they were in the same vicinity always you know so um when they took on these prostitutes and other I think it's it's a way I oh, it just <laughs> I don't I can't explain it pardon yeah just go with it, Kathy. Yeah. It's just a cultural thing. We wouldn't deal with it. Yeah. Concubine, yeah. It's the same as a prostitute, yeah. Is it? Yeah, concubine. Why? What do you think it is? I just thought it was a girlfriend that wasn't married, but she didn't go out and prostitute Oh, I see what you're saying. Well. I thought those were like girlfriends. Yeah, good question. Good question. We'll put bring a, it up to we'll, Yeah, <laughs> we'll put a pin in that one. We'll go back to Google on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes, the other brothers were legitimate. He was illegitimate, and um, he's the son of a Gentile woman. And so, it says here, Gilead's wife also bore him sons, and when they were grown up, they drove Jephthah away. You are not going to get any inheritance in our family, they said, because you are the son of another woman. So Jephthah fled from his brothers and settled in the land of Tob, where a group of adventurers gathered around him and followed him. So he becomes like the Peter Pan of Scripture, right? Like he's going to have all his gang of... Mine says worthless, worthless men. Worthless men. Of what? Scoundrels, exactly, right? So these guys, these guys were probably like the rough and tumble up for hires, right? Like they would do something for a buck. If you needed someone run out of town, they were the guys to go get, you know. And he was a mighty warrior. So we know that about him. People had come to him to do their light work, right? And he's the leader of this group of not adventurers, <laughs> scoundrels. Worthless men, right? He's the leader of them, and he's kicked out because his mom is not Jewish, because she's a prostitute. Um, Where did it say she wasn't Jewish? Well, I don't know exactly where it said it, but she's not because... Maybe in another translation. Yeah, somewhere else it might say here. I just have it in my notes, because we know that she's not... um, we know that she's Gentile because she's foreign. Okay. Yeah. And so sometime later when the Ammonites made war on Israel, the elders of Gilead went to get Jephthah from the land of Tob. Come, they said, be our commander so we can fight the Ammonites. So here they are. They need to make war. And they want the illegitimate son, the mighty warrior, to come back and defend him, defend them, right? And Jephthah said to them, didn't you hate me and drive me from my father's house? Why do you come to me now when you're in trouble? And the elders of Gilead said to him, nevertheless, we are turning to you now. Come with us to fight the Ammonites and you will be our head over all who live in Gilead. And that's basically, they're saying you will be our judge. He becomes the ninth judge. Okay. And, um, he's, Remember, just a side note here is judges aren't like what we think of today, you know, where someone comes and 
into court and so on and so forth. Judges then, um, they led the battle. They, they were kind of head over the things that went. So uh, don't always think of them as just people sitting behind the, the desk with their gavel, right? They're, kind of, they're just like the leader of the tribe, the head over them, right? Um, Jephthah answered, suppose you take me back to fight the Ammonites and the Lord gives them to me. Will I really be your head? He's asking him, can I trust? You've already thrown me out once. I come and I win the battle, you're going to throw me out again, right? And um, the elders of Gilead replied, the Lord is our witness. We will certainly do as you say. So Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead and the people made him head and commander over them. And he repeated all his words before the Lord in Mitzvah. Do you remember Mitzvah, what that was, the place of Mitzvah? Uh, Jacob and Laban, when they um, made a land deal, basically they had this uh, line, so to speak, and it says, you know, if one or the other of us, you know, steps out of line or whatever, may the Lord watch between us. Have you ever seen the Mitzvah coins? Mm -hmm. You know, where you used to get them when we were young with your best friend and they took half and you have innocent may the Lord watch between us. Oh, yeah. And I, Okay, so when I learned about this, I thought, why is that a best friend thing? It is saying, I don't trust you and you don't trust me. May the Lord watch between us. And I'm like, so whoever made the mitzvah coin, like, didn't know the history. <laughs> right? that was more friend, not husband and wife? Yeah, this was... Um, they didn't trust each other, and so it was a, it was basically a treaty or a whatever, a, a deal that they had made between them that if I step out of line or you step out of line, you know, God would take care of you. So yeah, when I found that out, I was like, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is not a. This is an I love you. <laughs> May we never be separated. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so. Uh, basically, they, so they're there at that same place, and um, th- so they repeat the words, and so basically they make this covenant between themselves that, yeah, you do this, and we will make you judge over all of us. So then Jephthah sent messengers to the Ammonite king with the question, what do you have against us that you have attacked our country? So he steps into position. What's the first thing that he does? He dresses the enemy king. And that shows some discernment, right? Like, he's going to go to battle with him. And so he says, first of all, you know what? Let's first try to use our words, right? Now think about it. We're talking to kids, right? Let's, let's first use our words. And so he shows some discernment in that where he's saying, you know what? Um, what do you have against us? Why have you attacked us? And the king of the Ammonites answered Jephthah's messengers. When Israel came up out of Egypt, they took away my land from the Arnon to the Jabbok all the way to the Jordan. Now give it back peaceably. He appeals to him. We could, we could go this way, right? We could, we could. He's basically telling him that point. We've already taken it legitimately. God has already given it over to us. So do you really want to fight over this? Right? Just give it up. Walk away at peace. We'll remain at peace. There doesn't need to be war. Okay? Still showing discernment. Jephthah sent back messengers 
to the Ammonite king, saying, This is what Jephthah says. Israel did not take the land of Moab. He goes in the whole long version of it now. Maybe you didn't hear the story of how we actually got the land. Let me do that. Let me, let me tell you. He says, But when they came up out of Egypt... Israel went through the desert to the Red Sea and on to Kadesh. Then Israel sent messengers to the king of Edom, saying, Give us permission to go through your country. But the king of Edom would not listen. They sent also to the king of Moab, and he refused. So Israel stayed at Kadesh. Next, they traveled through the desert, skirted the lands of Edom and Moab, passed along the eastern side of the country of Moab, and camped on the other side of the Arnon. And they did not enter the territory of Moab, for the Arnon was its border. Then Israel sent messengers to Sihon, king of the Amorites, who ruled in Hezbon, and said to him, Let us pass through your country to our own place. And Sihon, however, did not trust Israel to pass through his territory. And he mustered all his men and encamped at Jehaz and fought with Israel. Then the Lord, the God of Israel, gave Sihon and all of his men into Israel's hands, and they defeated them, and Israel took over the land of the Amorites who lived in that country, capturing all of it from the Arnon to the Jabbok and from the desert to the Jordan. Now, since the Lord, the God of Israel, has driven the Amorites out before his people, Israel, what right have you to take it over? Will you not take what your God, Shamash, gives you? Likewise, whatever the Lord our God has given us, we will possess." Are you better than Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab? Did he ever quarrel with Israel or fight with them? For 300 years, Israel occupied Hezbon, Error, the surrounding settlements, and all the towns along the Arnon. Why didn't you retake them during that time? I have not wronged you, but you are doing me wrong by waging war against me. Let the Lord, the God, let the Lord, the judge, decide the dispute this day between the Israelites and the Ammonites. So, he goes the whole long way. Because why? 300 years have gone by since we have occupied this land. And all of these people before you, and even to now, no one has disputed that. That's a long time. He's basically saying, that's been a long time, buddy. Mm-hmm. And um, so maybe you don't know the story, but let me tell you how I actually own this piece of land, right? And he says, very important information right there where he said, God gave that to us. If Chamash, your God, gave it to you and we were flipped on the other side, I would imagine you'd be having the same conversation with me. But God gave that to us. But since you want to take it away, let's let God be the judge of that. If you want to go to war, we'll see who he wants to have the land, right? So now he's kind of like, well, we're now in plan B, aren't we? Yeah, I've tried reasoning with you. Um, he says, the king of Ammon, however, paid no attention to the message that was sent. So he dismissed the let's be kind and get along <laughs> and go to our own corners peaceably. Then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. He crossed Gilead and Manasseh and passed through the mitzvah of Gilead. And from there he advanced against the Ammonites. And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord. If you give the Ammonites into my hands... Whatever comes out of the door of my house to meet me when I return in triumph from the Ammonites will be the Lord's, and I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. He just stumbled then. He just made a really 
tactical error. Really tactical error, right? Did he need to make a vow? No. Why? Because verse 29, the spirit of the Lord came upon him. God was already with him. He was brought up for that battle. He was brought up to be judge. He was already going to be given. He already knew God would give it to him. We know that because in verse 27, he said, let the Lord be the judge. In other words, I have no doubt in my mind that God is going to give this battle back to us. And the spirit of the Lord came over him and he knew that. And then saying that, was he kind of saying that he had some hand in the, in the triumph of that? He had some hand in um, having a positive outcome in that battle? Is that why it's bad? Because, you know, it kind of seemed like it wasn't a super bad thing to say to God, I'm going to give you something mm. to God. I mean, it seems like if his heart was in the right place, unless he was saying it in, you know, I'm going to do this and I'll be part of the delivery of that. It's me. I mean, I don't understand. What would have been, what's bad about it is... Susie, if you said, God, I'm going to do, if you will give me all the things I want over at Walmart, um, whatever comes out of my door next, I'm going to give it to you. So who's going to come out of your door when you get home? Yeah, it could be one of my family. It could be one of your family members. Is it yours to give away Micah? Or sacrifice Micah in any way? Mm-hmm. No, it's not. That's Micah's decision, right? Yeah, yeah right? Um, and so you could say, you know, for yourself, Lord, I would this or I would that. But he vows whatever comes out of the door of his house will either be offered as a sacrifice well, or a burnt offering or... Like well, we're going to dive okay. into that. Yeah, what does... <laughs> surely be the Lord's, but then he had to add on as a burnt offering. As a burnt offering, right. So, um, you know, one of the things that we could take, if you were looking at that as a lack of discernment, which is where his lack of discernment is here, um, is he made like these rash vows, and scripture talks about, you know, like in Matthew 5, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Mm -hmm. You know, not to go on with these big words. Scripture says, don't God doesn't want us making all these big, flowery promises to him, right? He doesn't even want, you know, our prayers aren't to be these long, drawn-out, grandiose, grandstanding, you know, things for attention. It's like, just be plain. Yeah, just be plain. God had already given him that battle. He didn't need to go and take it a step further and and drag it out and all of this. Um, And so, it says, And Jephthah went over to fight the Ammonites, and the Lord gave them into his hands. He devastated 20 towns from Arar to the vicinity of Manith, as far as Abel Karamim, thus Israel subdued Ammon. And when Jephthah returned to his home in Mitzpah, who should come out to meet him but his daughter, dancing to the sound of tambourines? She was an only child except for he had neither son nor daughter. Um, When he saw her, he tore his clothes and cried, Oh, my daughter, you have made me miserable and wretched because I have made a vow to the Lord that I cannot break. 
My father, she replied, you have given your word to the Lord. Do to me just as you promised, now that the Lord has avenged you of your enemies, the Ammonites. But grant me this one request, she said. Give me two months to roam the hills and weep with my friends because I will never marry. You may go, he said, and he let her go for two months. And she and the girls went into the hills and wept because she would never marry. And after the two months, she returned to her father, and he did to her as he had vowed, and she was a virgin. From this, time, from this comes the Israelite custom that each year the young women of Israel go out for four days to commemorate the daughter of Jephthah the Gilead. So there are many people that believe she was actually killed. But there's a whole another uh, many more people now that believe she was not. And they, when, when you get into what the scripture says in the original language and some clues that are in the text. First of all, priests weren't allowed to conduct human sacrifices. I mean, we find those kinds of things in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, right? They weren't allowed to do that. So how would he have presented her as a human sacrifice? Um, that, that wouldn't have really um, translated that way. The, the thing that, that marks this differently is when we go back and we look at this verse in um, chapter, or verse 30, where it says, when I return in triumph from the Ammonites, will, whatever I get will be the Lord's, whatever comes out the door, and I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. In the original text, there is an or, sacrifice or burnt offering. And when you look at sacrifice, how, what other ways can you sacrifice something? Besides, you know, knives and daggers and blood and whatnot, right? Give their life in Give service. Give their life in service. So many people believe that actually what happened here was that her life was given to the church. It would have been uh, very rare in those days. Usually it was widows that went and, and gave service to the church. So she would have been young. And that's why we see in the clues in the text that because I'm never going to be able to get married, because I'm going as a virgin, right? Right. Those things that allow us to think that she was given a service to the church. And um, her father, do you think of it as a, I mean, what do you think about him not taking it back? He says, you know, it's a vow I cannot break, even though he realizes what he's done. And what's the magnitude of what he's done? Well, and I think probably us in this day, we wouldn't, I'm thinking about, have I ever made vows to God I didn't do? Mm. You know, I don't think I, I have. Mm. Um, but I don't think we take our word mm. so strongly like they would have then. You know, it exactly. could be explained away. Well, Lord, you know I didn't really mean kill him. Yeah. You know that, Lord, right? Right, right, right. You know, I mean, I think we would explain it away where yeah. when they said something, yeah. that was their word and they did it. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It's Their word was their bond. And, um, you know, 
And it would have been worse to lie to God. Right. That would have been a worse thing. Right. What would have come back on that? Who knows? Vikings, you know, in that whole era, you know, when they would say, you know, the word was wrong, I give you my word, you know, and we've heard that all along, is, you know, it it was basically them saying, let me die if I don't do this. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, in fact, I've heard, I heard a story, something like when they went to go to battle and they had given their word that they were going in battle and whatnot, they would shoot fire darts or whatever at their ships. They'd burn their ships so that they couldn't chicken out and get on the ship and run away because they'd given their word that they would go, you know? So it was, let me die if I don't keep my word. You know, my, my stepdad, one of the things that we said about him was his word was his bond. He was always, handshake deal was enough for him. And in, the late, in later years, I would say probably in the last 15, 20 years, he's gotten burned on some deals because other men have not had that same, that same thought. Yeah, I um, think we see it in marriage. Oh, yeah, know, absolutely. You know, we, yeah. we make our vows. And then, you know, when you irritate me, now we're gone. Mm-hmm. You know, and, mm-hmm. and I'm not talking about, you know, abusive kind of relationships, but I'm talking about, you know, when just, yeah, this just isn't working this out. This isn't working mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that's not okay. You know, and I can remember asking, what about this okay? What? Said, as soon as the tape recorder. Oh, when the, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, but you know what? We, when we make vows, not only to God, but to other people mm-hmm. that we don't keep, when our word's not our bond, I mean, we lose respect, mm-hmm. right? Um, it, it, what's some, one of the, even some of the little things, like when someone says they're going to be there at 1030 and they don't show up till 1115, right? Yeah. Like, it, you may love that person, but there's something about them that kind of it goes down a notch, right? Well, yeah. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. You, can't you can't trust what they say. Yeah. Yeah. You can't rely on them, and and so that's something we have to say to ourselves. You know, I think that that's where the um, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Like if you know you're the kind of person that like kind of running late's my thing. You know, just be honest from the beginning. You know, like. What can I do to protect the reputation in that that I don't, you know, well, you break get, that down? Like for me, mm-hmm. you can't count on it. You just can't. You yeah, can't you can't count on it. Will Will she or won't she? Right. Or would she not gonna be on time? Yeah. We just right. That. Someone develops that we reputation. Tell her if it's supposed to be at eleven o'clock, we tell her ten thirty. Yeah. yeah. Right. No, we <laughs> have. I have family members like that too, right? And oh, I'm not on recording. Um, <laughs> um, but you know what? Think about when we were growing up. What did we do when we wanted someone to believe us? I promise. I promise. I pinky promise. I swear. I cross my heart and hope to die. Stick a needle in my eye or something, right? Right. Um, so, like, as if there's greater promise. Right? Kind of if your word's your word or it's not. Yeah. Well, right? It's, again, guilty of that. No, really, really, I'm going to. I'm going to. That's yeah. Right yeah. Yeah. No, really, really. It's really sad. Yeah. Think about it. Yeah. You know we, I mean? and, but who, I don't believe that anyone that, say, is late in, uh, habitually, I don't believe that they mean to be. 
hurtful. We just have to give those people a different time. A different time. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, but there is something that is said to other people to say, you're not valued, right? If I'm not showing up when I say I am, your time isn't valued, right? right? Maybe it's not the person, but their time isn't as much value as your time because you wanted to watch the last five minutes of the soap opera or whatever. (laughs) And again, too, so it's like, I'll just, like, and it's, if I'm dependent on me and my family, yeah. then I'll just have to tell them, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't really know. Yeah. I don't, I'm not right? sure. You know, like especially with Susie again, because mm-hmm. if she's going to prepare food, yeah. Oh. you know, I, I don't know. I really don't know. So I don't know is, you know what I mean? is a more honest answer. Because prepare all yeah. this food, yeah. and then, you know. I, I've known people. Um, I've known people that have said that they're going to show up for things and they don't show up. And, you know, you've ordered 15 pizzas for now for five people. Right. And right. And then they, and I'm sorry, I'm really sorry. Well, you're really not that sorry. Well, you know, ne- well, like, what, let's talk about the same scenario, though. And let's say you are invited for dinner and you can't come. What do you do at that point? You call, right? And then what happens when you call? I'm so sorry. Yeah. (laughs) And then people generally say, it's okay, I understand. Right. Right? I hope they're saying, well, just swing by and pick it up. Yeah, that too. (laughs) But what happens there when we value that person, even we say we can't, you know, if I'm running late, I text them. I'm five minutes late, I'm two minutes late, I'm whatever. I'm like, I'm going to be late. Or if I'm not going to make it somewhere, I make sure someone knows that I'm not going to be there, right? Because then there's something that happens that says, you know what, I release you from that vow. But I will say this about my friend over here. Uh She faithfully has taught Sunday school. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's a snowstorm. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter, you know, what the deal is. She has faithfully shown up to teach Sunday school, I would say every Sunday, just about. Right. And, and she's mm-hmm. very faithful in that. That's so amazing. Clearly, she values Sunday school more than her. Right. No. That's the message. <laughs> right? That's the message. You're chopped liver, her but. Attitude <laughs> because sometimes it isn't her. Right. You know, sometimes it's. Oh. Okay. Oh. My husband didn't fix this car like he told me he was going to. Right. Oh, amen. I got to do this. So she gets latitude because so, so often. Much is in other people's hands. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? That. I'm in the same boat. My husband, he likes to leave when we're supposed to be there. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Yeah. And that drives me insane. Um, but, and, and, you know, and other times it's just like we just slide right in on time. But the, the point is, is that our words matter. So if we make a promise to someone that we're following up and we're just saying, hey, whatever, you know, um, that we're saying to someone I care. We make promises to God. I, Susie's perfect. This is the area I have failed. I have made promises to God I have not kept. And, you know, and I've read in Scripture, and I think it's in Psalms, where it says not to make these vows. God doesn't want to hear these vows that, you know, I'll do this and I'll do that, and I don't follow through. So, you know what? God wants me um, to keep it simple. Keep it focused on Him and keep it simple. Right. 
And, um, and so when he, when it gets here to Jephthah making this vow and he doesn't break it, there's some amount of credit that goes to him, right? And his daughter too did not Oh, we haven't even got to that woman yet, right? Right? And what and let's just go to her because, you know, he made a huge mistake in making the vow to begin with. Great that he followed through on it, but his daughter you know what, Dad? I know you to be a man of your word. Man, what character, right? I know you to be a man of your word. I don't want you to step out of what God has asked, you know, or what, what you've told God you would do, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so she, she takes it. She says, can I have two months to go have a party? You know, and he's like, have all the money. Go on the party. You know what I'm saying? And, um, and yet, I think she's the hero in this. Not the illegitimate guy that came back and helped lead a war and save them. But his daughter is the hero in this. Someone that says, you know what? Let's uphold that. So far, Mm -hmm. this subject has shown the most discernment. Yeah. Like the other ones that we looked over, it was... Oh, yeah. Great, 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 right? Right? He showed one big flub. flub. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's Mr. Flubber. Yeah. 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 Yeah, he's flubbergasted. Samson's flubbergasted. But Jephthah, he made some good decisions along the road. And then one huge one, right? Yeah, one one huge one. I mean, I'd hope, I'd hope that he was probably able to go visit his daughter at the temple, or you know, um, that would be a hope. I don't know. I don't really understand the Jewish custom in that. I'd have to look into that. But um, the fact that she, it, it's a huge sacrifice not only to her to never have children and never be married, but remember it said in verse thirty four that he didn't have any other family. So he basically ended his lineage at that point. That was kind of a yeah, big deal. It was a big deal. Um, so for him to realize the big um, blunder that he had made, to there would be no more little grandchildren. There would be no nothing to pass on, um, and that he had done this to his daughter. And he, he had said something too about. So as a result of this, what, that he missed out on all those blessings. Yeah. So sometimes, like you said, it, for our life now, mm-hmm. we miss out on those blessings that he had intended for us yeah. or for other people. Other people. He, because of his words and what he had done, like you said, he, he has affected not only his daughter, but anyone else that would have come after that. You know, God knew. God knew what he was going to do, but he affected his daughter in that. And now I don't know. We don't have like, and here's the rest of the story podcast on this guy and this daughter, you know, because who knows how God used her in temple service, right? Who knows who she ministered to? Someone with such a great heart, right? We don't know. 
We don't know. Um, but nevertheless, here's the story. And from that, we can definitely take that. Um, let's let our yes be yes and our no be no. And let's not make these rash vows. And really thinking about our word being our bond. Really thinking about how our words um, affect other people. And um, when we make promises, you know, not only to God, but how about to ourselves? Yeah. You ever make promises to yourself you don't keep? Yeah. What What does that do with you internally when you don't keep a promise to yourself? Yeah. You don't trust yourself anymore. Your self-esteem goes down. Yeah, you can't. That's okay. Just, I get it. Yeah. Um, but we... We start getting to a place where we no longer have hope. We can't believe anything we say about whatever. And um, anyway, what are your thoughts on some of the rest of this? Anything else that you pull out of this? My husband used to say a man's word was his bond. Yeah. Man's word is his bond. Yeah. Oh, that's right. And a woman's. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't know him, but I know someone. We know people like him, right? Everyone, unfortunately, knows someone that the word means nothing. Um, well, I'm wondering if there's anybody has any other thought about how it said he had al- the Lord had already promised him, so he didn't yeah. even have to do this. Yeah. So, anybody, so was you know, that grandstanding? It kind of makes me think that's what he was doing, saying, even though the Lord said, you know, I'll do this. Okay, well, Lord, you know what? Because you said you're going to do it, I'm going to do this. That's, yeah, that's a good I point. I feel like maybe that was the, maybe his heart, maybe not. Forgive me if it's Jephthah, if it wasn't your heart, but it kind of seems like he didn't need to go that far. He just, that's, that's really, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Pride. Yeah. Pride. Hmm. Maybe. I mean, we could try to psychologically get into his head and say, maybe because now he's, you know, back on this territory where people have rejected him, maybe he feels desperate. Yeah. Maybe he feels prideful. Maybe. I mean, I'm not sure, but. Yeah. No matter what, we know there's human emotion involved in this, right? Yeah. It was a little less about trusting God to do what he'd already said he would do and. A little bit more about, um, I don't know, maybe again he feels like. Maybe he was so thankful. Maybe he's thankful. Maybe. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts? That was a good one. Well, apparently his years away, his prostitute mother didn't do damage you know, to his mm. wanting to serve God, you know, because he came back and, and um, when he came back, you know, he started talking, you know, 
about we're going to do this for the Lord? You know, that was one of the questions that I kind of had was where he was at spiritually. Mm-hmm. And so maybe it was um, that he wasn't in a good place, like with God. So he felt he had to make a bartering deal with him mm-hmm. instead of trusting him that he had it. Um, and then if that be the case, uh, maybe he was afraid of God and that's why he wouldn't break the vow. I, um, yeah, I don't I really think know. now, you know, if I had, what if I had made a vow to God mm-hmm. and I could see then pretty close down the road as I started going, it wasn't right. Mm. I would feel like I could go, go back to God yeah. and say, look how stupid I was. You know, forgive right. me, let's do over. And I feel like, mm-hmm. you know. I think God is gracious in that. Yes. Unless yeah. I was doing it all the yeah. time or something, but I think right. That, he would say, okay, you're right. I mean, he's never like, you know, cut me off because I didn't keep my promise, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, again, it's kind of like when you're talking to yourself and you don't keep those promises and there's a breakdown. I, It can be a, a barrier between you and God, in you, not from God, but in you if you're telling God you're going to do something and I think that's why God doesn't like that. I think he knows it affects our relationship with him when we feel like we've let him down and we can't come back and talk to him about something because mm-hmm. we promised it and then we didn't follow through. And so why does God want to hear from me now? And Right? Yeah. And like that self-talk that we do. And I don't think God likes that. I think that's why he's like, just keep it simple. Yeah. Just keep coming just to stay me. Focused on stay me. focused. Stay focused. Yeah. It's yeah. not about you and nothing you could do anyway. <clears throat> right? Um, so, and then I wondered, too, about how, uh-huh. how the stepbrothers or half-brothers that they were, they were wanting them to do something for him, and how he could have just said, yeah, you're like, forget it, man, you yeah. weren't over here with me, so. Right. Any any other thoughts there from hmm? that whole situation? Or? Was it the brothers who went to him to ask for his help, or... Well, the elders. You know, I. But he still had to go back and face those brothers. Yeah. And yeah. he, you know, I mean, can you imagine how hard how you would feel? You know, here's my siblings, the only ones that I have. Mm-hmm. You know, they've rejected me. You know, and who who knows how long he lived there with them? You know, before. He left. They said, you have to go. It sounds more like he was a young adult. So he probably was raised with them, I'm thinking. And it was as a young adult that he left because they told him, you don't get any inheritance. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. you're you're out of here. That's a big rejection, Mm -hmm. you know, and how that must have hurt. And so coming back, he wanted to probably come back as a somebody, not a nobody. Right. And... He's still an outsider. It's all interesting, isn't it? I mean, we get like these glimpses of it. And we know that all scripture is is used, right? And so we look at it and we say, okay, what can we take out of that that you've given us? You know, last week when we were reading, all of a sudden there's this little story about the prophet. And we're like, why was that put in there? You know? Um, But in this scenario, we don't know all the answers, do we? We don't have all the answers, but we could certainly look at it and say, 
you know what, God, we can relate. Even though this is, you know, thousands of years ago, we can relate to these stories. We can relate to the things that you've left in Scripture.